Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Covington playing Levine, topside three ball, bam! Onions, baby onions! Zach Levine in the Bulls! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Levine to White, this time he gives it to Williams for three. The rookie! The Pumpa! What a shot! Host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Are you flat out kidding me? Matt Peck used to do a great job with the Bulls Outsider Show. Now he's doing Locked on Bulls. There he is, human former. Oh, don't mess with the pooch. But watch this crossover. Bulls bird of free league ghost. So kick back. I'm not. Relax. And get ready for the best hour of your day. Uh, you know, I'm not. You can just see the vibe. And these guys are men. Locked on Bulls starts now. I love it. Pass to Levine with a right-handed jackhammer slam. Oh, my goodness, that was filthy. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. I'm getting out the dancing shoes. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, go to BuiltBar.com right now to get 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15. That's 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Matt, how are you? How you doing? Happy Friday to you as well. Good to see the Bulls pull off a win last night. Um, I'm telling you, man, every game every game is needed, and they it would just have been devastating if they would have lost to the Hornets. Uh, how are you first and foremost? And we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about today besides just that game. What up, Jordan? What up, Bulls Nation? Happy Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. It was nice to see a bounce back effort like that. Um, you know, second night of a back to back is always tough, especially this season when you're playing so many of those because of the way that they had to make the schedule in this COVID condensed season. Um, so it was nice to see them come out with noticeably way more energy than they did in the ugly loss to Cleveland. Um, because, I, you know, you were kind of worried, or at least I was certainly worried that they would follow that up with. Well, we have to respond to such a bad loss, but we're tired because it's the second night of a back-to-back. We're just going to slog through this and lose another game that we very could easily win. Because, you know, Charlotte is uh, a handful of games ahead of us in the standings, but they, like many of the teams we faced recently, were missing key pieces. LaMelo and Gordon Hayward among them. So I was glad that the Bulls said we got to respond to that just pathetic effort against Cleveland. And they basically took care of this one wire to wire, which was nice. Yeah, Kobe looks confident again, which is an interesting theme that's happening now that Zach is not playing and he's the lead guard. Seems like Kobe's playing a lot better. That's a discussion I don't want to go back down, but credit to him, man. He's fixed some of the stuff that I think a lot of people have been very critical about him uh, over the last couple of weeks, maybe just even this entire season. So I do give credit to Kobe White. I give credit to Vooch, too. Last night was the energy and effort that we saw in Boston. It's the energy and effort that... 
picked them up a win against the Brooklyn Nets a week ago. It's the energy and effort, even though we talked about it as a bad, not a great win, but a Toronto team that was putting up a ridiculous amount of points and seemingly never went away. So those are the types of games they continue to need to have uh, until the rest of the season, man. Like every single game counts, especially with the Wizards playing so well. And it seems like things are gelling for them now. So if the Bulls want to make the play-in game, man, they got to keep picking up wins. And we can take a sigh of relief when Zach comes back. But until then, uh, they still got to keep rolling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Washington, as of uh, our recording this right now, have won, what, their last six straight, seven straight? I mean, it's crazy. I think, And I'm pretty sure they've got another game on deck tonight. But They have all those makeup not... games, remember? So that right, could be a yeah. wrinkle as well. And, you know, maybe they will eventually run out of steam playing all of these games um, because the Bulls, I think, only had, what, three postponed games in the first half of the season for for COVID reasons. So they only had three makeups to squeeze in. And I think that they've already gotten through all of their makeup games or maybe one left. But um, it is not the... It is not the same easy default, at least, you know, worst case scenario, you're the 10th seed situation that we thought it may have been a few weeks ago because Washington went on this tear. Toronto picked up some big wins along the way. And I mean, the Bulls are in a fight for their life right now just to get to the 10th seed. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're playing games that they should be winning. It's it's a damn shame that they blew that loss to Cleveland because now you got to go to Miami and play the Heat on Saturday and then again on Monday, and that is a motivated Miami team right now. You were right about Washington, man. I guess I just didn't realize it, but they've won eight of their last ten games, and they're yeah. on a seven-game winning streak right now. Granted, let me tell you the teams that they just played. I mean, it's the Kings, the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Thunder, the Warriors, Orlando. So these are teams that are not great. So keep that in mind, but it's coming at a bad time for the Bulls where they can't afford to have another Cleveland loss like they did the other night. Uh, that being said, I think we should hear for Co- from Kobe White before we get into a couple of other things. Uh, actually, before I play that, the Miles Bridges dunk last night was absolutely oh. filthy. Oh, <laughs> Just absolutely filthy. Dude, Bridges has been catching bodies left and right this season. That that kid has insane hops. When they showed the the slow-mo replay, and I'm glad that they showed it several times, but you saw just how much air he got, how much space was separated between the hardwood and the bottoms of his shoes. He does, I mean, like all all love to Vooch, and I hope he's okay after that. But he got owned by Bridges. He dunked over a legit seven-footer who was up like this. I mean, that was – Yeah, I, I know – I think Adam Amin said put that in, in the category of nominees for dunk of the year, and there have been some insane ones. Um, the, uh, the rookie, Anthony Edwards, right, his dunk from a few weeks back, that's certainly up there too. We've seen a couple of awesome Zion dunks this season, John Morant, but God damn, that British dunk was filthy. Lowry tried to return one too, like a, a few minutes after that, and man, it wasn't good. It it was close, and I give him credit for trying, man. At least he's being aggressive about it. But yeah, it was a it wasn't a great it wasn't great. 
Class, classic Lowry, man. And that's something you put on your Bulls game night bingo card every time. A Lowry failed poster dunk attempt. It's like at least once a month. At least. Seriously. Uh, the funny thing that you brought up about the Bridges dunk is it happens so fast that if you go listen to the Charlotte broadcast and you listen to last night's NBC broadcast... Both were caught off guard. The play was over before they could even make the call. It was it was that fast. Dude, Bridges is a player, though. Like, when we were talking about making deals for possibly Wendell to Charlotte or Lowry about a month ago, that's why I want him. And I understand now why Charlotte doesn't want anything to do with giving him up. So... That being said, let's hear from Kobe really quick before we get into a couple of other things. I think it's important for fans to hear this, Matt, uh, about Mo Cheek specifically and what he's doing to try to help develop the point guards on this team, most notably Kobe White. Uh, so this is Kobe White talking about the turnovers, why they've improved uh, over the last couple of games. Is it still Mo Cheeks helping him out? Uh, and here's his response. I told y'all, Mo Cheeks, Mo Cheeks. <laughs> nah, <Still? man. laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still on me. You know, he challenged me. He's been, I don't know how many, four games. He's, he's still like, man, he, today we was talking. He said, I don't care about last game. He said, I care about this game. Can you be consistent? You know, he keeps challenging me. You know, Mo, Mo talks a lot of crap, as I would say. You know, but we good. You know what I'm saying? So he keeps challenging me each and every game. So, and I'm the type of dude, like, you challenge me, you don't think I could do something. Or if I feel like you don't think I could do something, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out there and prove it to you that I, I can. So that's just how I am. You obviously credit Mo Cheeks, you know, for challenging you and, you know, to cut down on turnovers. How, what does he say? I mean, how does he tell you how to do it? One thing is to ask you not to do it. And then how does he instruct you not to do it? <laughs> uh, I ain't going to say what he say, but <laughs> the, 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 the main thing he says is never had the same turnover twice. You know, if you come down dribbling traffic, coming off the ball screen, you know the next position that traffic is still gonna be there defensively. How they how they play, never had the same turnover twice. That's his biggest thing uh, that he tells me. Um, learn from that turnover. He said you're gonna make mistakes. Um, nobody's perfect, but just try not to have the same turnover twice. Go through the course of the game, and you know at halftime reevaluate it. You know, say you had this, you had that. Just don't do it again. And you know, for me, that's what I've been focusing on, and uh, it's been helping me a lot. He, he played with some of the greatest players there, Moses Malone, Julia Serving, Charles Barkley. Does he ever tell you what he did in, in dealing, you know, playing with those players to be the point guard to, you know, transfer to you playing? Um, no, nah, not really. If you knew, if you know Mo, he rarely, rarely talks about his himself. You know, he's just a humble guy. Like if you saw Mo walking at the side of the street, I don't, you wouldn't know that he was a Hall of Famer because he, he, he doesn't like. He's not into himself, you know? So he really talks about himself and, and what he did and all his accolades, you know? I think he just wants to see, especially like, you know, me and Patrick talk to him all the time together. And I think he just wants to see us grow, you know? And he, he helps us any way that he can. But you have to ask him about himself to, in order for Mo to talk about himself because he's not going to do it. I love that, man. Like, that is the impact that Mo Cheeks is having on young guys here. And it's going to take some time. It, it just... Everybody just be patient because I think what we're seeing is a turning of the page with Kobe White. Although it's happening at the end of the season here, let's wait to see what happens with Zach coming back and how Kobe continues to play. I've been impressed over the last couple of like a week or so with Kobe over the last four games or so since Zach has sat. What did you think about that, though? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see a young player on the team being uh, given the extra attention um, and and coaching one on one time with such a a highly regarded assistant coach like Mo Cheeks. When we heard about that hire, I think all Bulls fans collectively said, "Hell yeah, 
can't wait to see what Mo Cheeks does for our young guard, Kobe White. Um, and look, even if the Bulls go somewhere else this offseason to try and find a starting point guard that isn't Kobe White, any amount of improvements that Mo Cheeks can get out of him while he is still developing, while he's still a member of this team, is great. And the thing that I loved that he said was the thing about no repeat turnovers, right? Don't make the same turnover twice. Because I think that some of my frustrations watching Kobe his rookie year and then into this year is that you have seen him in several games make the same bad read or the same turnover twice, whether it's dribbling too much, getting caught with the high dribble that he still needs to bring down to a little bit lower NBA level, or just making the wrong reads on more than one occasion. If the things that he's getting from Mo Cheeks can help him eliminate those turnovers and especially the repeat bad turnovers that at the NBA level you just have to be better than, then that's great because as as modest of a night as Kobe had as a distributing playmaking guard last night, he only had three assists. The key number to me in his box score is zero turnovers. Zero. I mean, how often do we talk about the fact that this team's two primary ball handlers in Zach and Kobe are both turnover prone and how much it kills this team? In the loss to Cleveland the other night, they had 20-some turnovers that led to like 25 Cavs points. If Kobe can cut down on those turnovers and keep it to one or two a game, if not uh, a great number like zero from last night, I mean, all praise and credit in the world to him and to Mo Cheeks for making that change. I do appreciate that. It seems like Billy Donovan is sticking to the theme all season of sticking with matchup dependent. It's matchup dependent depending on who is starting, who is playing well. He's going with the hot hand, and I'm okay with that. Like we saw a month ago, it was Thomas Sadoransky, or even a couple of weeks ago, uh, while Zach was still around, and then Zach goes out, and then Kobe inserted in the starting lineup. Thomas Sadoransky comes off the bench, and I think it's mostly been positive there. It's it's been positive for. Sato too it's giving somebody the actual opportunity to run the offense with the second unit I think Denzel's got hit uh, multiple times he's gotten opportunities to be that guy he hasn't been consistent enough to to say hey I can play point guard in a pinch if we need it and Archie's been good man he's gonna give you as much energy as you you could possibly handle but anything over eight to ten minutes a night is is way too much on a team that should be competing so my point being here is I'm with you Uh, I'm with you 100% I love the fact that Mo Cheeks is humble. He's so humble, Matt. I don't even think he's done an interview yet this season. Like, I know at the score, we've been trying to get him for the last couple of months to do an interview on one of the shows. And he, it's not a matter of like, he doesn't want to do it. I just think he's very focused on the season this year. So I would love to hear from him a little bit more on what this year has been like, how he wants to develop this team, because I think he's got a whole ton of good things to say. Um, but I'm encouraged, man. I was encouraged by last night's game, even though Miles Bridges absolutely destroyed Vooch, which is not going to be the last time, man. It's not going to be the last time. But that's okay. I would rather you go up and get dunked on than make a business decision. That's just me as a fan. Like I understand why they do that, but me as a fan, go up and try to block it. If you get dunked on, I'm not going to make fun of you for it. Uh, and Well, yeah, I just I'm, did a little always- bit, but... Always been the same way, though, dude. I, I totally agree. The The guys that, you know, avoid being anywhere under the rim when they see that kind of a dunk coming, like, I get it. You don't want to be 
on that poster. You don't want to <laughs> be the guy getting dunked on on Sports Center later that night. But I'm I'm with you. Make an effort to try and block the shot, block the dunk, get in the guy's way. Because how many times have we seen our guy Lowry go up for what he thinks is going to be a poster dunk? And maybe like he's got this reputation now where uh, other players in the league are like, oh yeah, Lowry, he's a seven footer and he can he can aggressively attack the basket. But if you get in his way. You can mess up his dunk. You can mess up the poster. It should be that way for every player in the league. Don't don't avoid the poster by, you know, cowardly ducking out of the way. It's a business Challenge. decision like they always Challenge. say. Right. And it's like it's not the exact same thing, but it's also kind of how I feel about players who clearly wait until after the horn at like the end of a quarter before heaving up a half-court shot because they don't want it to like, you know, oh, my my field goal percentage. <laughs> You're right. A lot of guys, you will see that. They don't release the ball until after the buzzer's over, even if it's like a quarter of a second late. That's funny that you say that. Uh, there's a lot of stats out there right now that eliminate uh, that garbage time sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So things at the end of the game, cleaning the glass is the place that does that. And that's kind of cool to see what actual analysis is by removing some of those outliers. That being said, let's get a win against Miami this weekend. It would be nice to get a win against Jimmy. Um, I don't know if that's likely, but we'll find out and we'll react to it uh, early next week. We've got some other stuff to do, though, because the network as a whole, Locked On, has been talking that. And they've been talking specifically about our team, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, We've been tanking. We've been in a rebuild for three and a half years. It's usually when bad things happen. Uh, This, though, is not when bad things happen. Let's go first to the Duncan and Hollinger podcast, uh, the NBA show. They do a great job. Go listen to that. They talk about all the national topics. Um, But I know, have you heard this yet? No, I haven't. I have heard of it, but I haven't heard the actual audio yet. All right, so everybody that's listening and watching us right now, put in your mind right now if you haven't heard it, where do you think Billy Donovan ranks 1 through 30 in terms of the NBA coaches this season? Where does he rank in your in your eyes 1 through 30? Take that and hold on to that and listen to what we're going about to hear. They break down where they think he ranks among NBA coaches and why. Let's take a listen. So we got a, a few other guys we haven't talked about yet. Uh, my bottom four, but although I still have him in tier four, and that's Billy Donovan. Yes, but we have a, ra- a reigning coach. Reigning, did he? He won Coach of the Year last year, didn't he? Or, or do you come in second or third or something? I can never remember anymore. It's yeah, never I, the guy I don't. I, I don't care. Think, so. I don't care enough about Coach of the Year to retain this. Um, okay, maybe he didn't win. Maybe he came in second or third. Um, but. Did did a good job no, with yeah, OKC nurse, last. Nurse, nurse was it last year? Nurse right? was coaching nurse the year last year, right? Last year, yeah. yeah. So yeah. did a really good job OKC regular season last year. Did a not good job in the playoffs, and that's been pretty consistent his whole career. Um, and I think he's, uh, you know, he had Chicago in the playoff race there, and I, I think post trade he's kind of struggled to figure out what he has and and how to best utilize it. But what's your impression of him? Uh, competent, good representation of the organization he's the ultimate safe choice let's just find something that's not ex- going to kill you and that's going to embarrass ourselves yeah just extreme vanilla right uh yeah and kind of on autopilot sometimes but yeah i i mean what what does he do well and i as a coach i just i struggle to see what that is they've they've taken a step back defensively this year which i would have predicted honestly as much 
Jim Boylan got. I mean, this Chicago team is now 23rd in defense, and they were 12th last year. And granted, they did that by forcing a bunch of turnovers, but, you know, and it looked really stupid against the good teams, but it also actually worked. Uh, He definitely uh, saw some regression from Wendell Carter under his watch. Kobe White didn't develop either. Both those guys got replaced in the starting lineup and not necessarily helping them win. They've had some pretty ugly collapses at the end of games where they haven't been able to score as well. And that's when, yeah, uh, sometimes it's bad luck. This one, though, uh, th- they really have struggled to get some of the right lineups out there at times. So I, I'm just, I, I'm not, uh, again, it's, I'm not going to like crap all over him. It's like, oh, this guy's awful in the regular season. But again, there's a lot of great coaches out there. And he, he to me is, if we were going to say that Terry Stotts was sort of the like boring, competent choice, he's like kind of a worse version of Terry Stotts to me. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's. A I will way. give him credit, though. Granted, this was five years ago, but I did think he actually coached a really good playoffs his first year in OKC uh, against the Spurs and against the Warriors, both teams that in theory were superior that uh, he caused big oh, yeah. time problems for with some specific adjustments. But since then, I agree, it's been pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could, I mean, they, they took Houston to seven last year. They weren't supposed to win that series. The three-guard lineup together, that was that was okay. You know, I thought he did a, a good job last year, but also a lot of it was Chris Paul just happened to play, be 19th in the NBA in minutes played when people expected him to be, uh, you know, 250th. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't look as angry as I thought you were going to be. Maybe I'm more upset than you are. Give me your reaction to that after that. So, Billy Donovan in the bottom six. Uh, Nate Duncan has him at 24. Um second to the bottom tier where the bottom tier I think is the bottom three guys so either way bottom six coach what do you think about that honestly I'm not that offended by it and I don't think it's outrageously incorrect and I say that while also agreeing with what I think is the most important thing about the Donovan hire for this season and beyond which is that he immediately brings more credibility and likability to this organization. Maybe Jim Boylan had the Bulls a, a, a quasi-top-ranked defense last year through some gimmicky trap systems that generated a lot of steals and a lot of turnovers. Cool. Did it actually make the team good? No. And everything else about Jim Boylan became a national punchline. And thus, by proxy, the Bulls became a national punchline. I've never Donovan done that. Donovan is rejected. You know. Shh. Shut up, Jim. At least Donovan is respected and liked by his players. You know, other than one tweet we have from Kevin Durant from a few years back that somebody saw. It was like, oh, yeah, he doesn't like playing with Billy Donovan. Doesn't like playing for Billy Donovan. That's Whatever. more about Russ now. Even more recently, we've gotten evidence that's more about Russ. Right, exactly. So... To me, and, and so I'm going to throw this comparison out there, Jordan, and and I know you're a little bit of a younger Bulls fan, but you still have done your homework and you know the history of this organization. To me, Billy Donovan is the Doug Collins that this team needed. The Bulls hired Doug Collins, a younger coach, fresh face, excited, great with a young team like those late 80, mid to late 80s Bulls were, and maybe wasn't the best X's and O's coach, maybe wasn't the best guy at getting everything and exactly the thing he needed out of all of his players, but he was easy to play for. He was 
a guy who they liked to play for. And he was a high energy guy. And then like, I know Bulls fans don't like giving Krause any credit for anything. Krause saw Phil Jackson is what this team needs. Phil Jackson actually implementing Tex Winter's offensive triangle system, which Doug Collins had no interest in running because he just said, get the ball to Michael. All the plays that we run, they're designed to get the ball in a good spot for Michael. Krause saw that Phil Jackson was the coach that they needed. But before they could get to Phil Jackson, Tex Winter, and the triangle, it was a young team that just needed a Doug Collins-esque kind of coach. The stepping stone coach. I don't. That's that. what I see Billy Donovan as right now. Do I think Billy Donovan is going to be this team's coach the next time they are back in the Eastern Conference Finals and contending for a championship? No, I don't. But that doesn't mean he's not the right coach for the team right now. I'm not going to dig too much on it because like the outlying factor there would be you had MJ, right? Like you could have went and coached and probably won as many games as Doug Collins did with MJ, right? That being said, though, I like that comparison a lot more than I like the the Terry Stotts light. Like we're talking about a dude that brought Jim Boylan in to, to mentor the defense this season. This here's what I'll say. I'm not going to go too. I was pissed off this morning when I heard that. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It's frustrating as hell that they're still talking about the Bulls in generalities as though like the last three or four years of this Bulls team is still somewhat leaking over into national people's minds. And maybe it comes paired with a bad losing streak of recently and that's what's stuck in people's minds. But Matt, when he goes back and gives examples, like neither, neither Hollinger or Duncan give examples of why they think Billy Donovan is in the bottom six. It was all generalities. It was all evidence from OKC. They didn't talk about any negatives that specifically affect this Bulls team this season. I thought this would, that was what the ranking was about. That, to me, frustrates me the most. And all of a sudden, we're going to give all the credit to Chris Paul? Like, yes, granted, Chris Paul did a whole hell of a lot for that team. But Billy Donovan deserves credit for what they did in the bubble when they had no business being there. They had no business taking Houston to seven games. They had no business doing that. Billy Donovan wins games. That's his purpose here. The Terry Stotts thing, like, Terry Stotts light, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I I get it, maybe because you're comparing rosters, but as head coaches, like, I want, my point being, I want examples. There was no examples. And so, to me, that's just throwing out a bunch of things. And ultimately, what it tells me as a Bulls fan is you probably have only watched three or four Bulls games this entire season, and I would guess it's recently. That's how I feel. Right. And, I mean, let's be honest, and and not necessarily to defend Hollinger and Duncan, who are guys who work for the same network we do, but nationally speaking, or, I mean, generally speaking, national NBA talking heads haven't watched a lot of Bulls games this season because, you know, even though the Bulls have only had, what, two nationally televised games this season, one real one and one on NBA TV, most of the NBA national talking heads, if they are real and committed to their jobs, have league pass and can watch whatever game they want to on any given night. Even if they have league pass, how many of them do you think are actually tuning in to watch the Bulls? Like on an at least a once a week basis. Not many. No, not any. many. I understand and, that. And so, like, maybe after the Vooch trade, 
some of those NBA talking heads turn an eye towards Chicago. We're like, oh, this now is an interesting trade on deadline day. It's a good like point. Like the only all-star caliber player that moved. So let's go watch a few Bulls games. And they watch the Bulls on a ridiculous road trip against some of the best competition in the league trying to juggle new pieces. And it didn't go well out of the gate. And so they all think, oh, well, yeah, Billy Donovan, bad coach. Like, come on, man. Add a little bit of context to your analysis. That's the theme here is like, there isn't a whole lot of context to back up Billy Donovan's first season. Like, if you ask you and I here, we could give you half a dozen examples just off the top of our head about how Billy Donovan has improved this team dramatically, and he deserves to be outside of the bottom six. Like, let's not forget that I get Zach pushed that team to beat Portland, in which I still think is their best win of the year. That also is caused by some of the Billy Donovan motivation, and he's part of that. Like, I get he's not playing, but he also deserves credit when they do things like come back from down 20. The same way we we give him criticism when the Bulls just look flat, and it's like, come on. Like, the point here, I think Bulls fans understand that this was still an evaluation period and we're getting a little bit lucky by winning games at least we did early things are a lot better than i think we all thought it was going to be in the first year do national heads think that same way i don't know and like you were talking about how many have actually watched this bulls team and really dove into like all of what we were talking about the context of what donovan has done since he got here i think he's done a lot for these guys um and I appreciate him being here, but I do. I love your Doug Collins comparison. I think that is great because, you know, do the, do I believe that the Bulls, if they find a better coach than Donovan three years from now and say, you know what, we're going to move on. It's not about you. It's about adding this next piece to make us a championship team. I don't think that's unfair to say. So I'm with you. I just Terry Stotts thing is just insane. And I do agree with Nate Duncan on the Jim Boylan thing. Like I've said it before. I think Jim Boylan had good things to say and had smart, smart ideas. And, and, and he's a basketball mind, but. None of our guys bought into that because Jim Boylan doesn't know how to communicate right to his guys and nobody could connect with him. That's how I feel. So Jim Boylan, as much as we make fun of him here, I think he did have good things to implement with the team. Nobody just bought into it. People are buying into what Billy Donovan's doing now. Yeah. And, and you know, and not to say that this conversation was both of us completely defending every single thing and every decision Donovan has made. You and I have voiced our our issues with certain things that Donovan's done rotation wise and lineup wise. And yeah, that's because no NBA coach is perfect. Certainly. And fans that are watching what they see on the floor are going to raise questions, but in the grand scheme, it doesn't mean that Donovan is not a good coach. Uh, Jordan, I think there was one more thing that we wanted to get to uh, that other locked on people were talking uh, about the bulls recently. That was pretty odd. Somebody tweeted it at us Uh, before we do that though. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our friends at Built Bar. Today's episode brought to you in part by Built Bar. I just got a new shipment delivered the other day, Jordan, and I'm so excited. I got some peanut butter brownie. I got some cookies and cream, and I got salted caramel. Um, I, I love the fact that they can do the mix and match box of 18. You can pick three different flavors and get six bars of each. It's an awesome, awesome offer that they provide at BuiltBar.com. Take, for example, the peanut butter Built Bar which comes packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories. That's it, 180. Just five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs. These Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Great for the health-conscious sports fans out there. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, and they're easy to chew. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in these 
delicious treats. And right now, if our Locked On Bulls listeners go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, uh, Jordan, there was an interesting comparison that was made recently by the Locked On NBA podcast when it comes to this new Bulls all-star duo of Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. It was David Locke, our our podcast lord and savior, if you will, and uh, Ben Gulliver, who I actually really like, man. Ben Gulliver's awesome. He is writing a book right now uh, called Bubble Ball, and it's all about it's his experience. Out. Oh, it is. I'm yeah. going to have to pick that up this weekend then because that is something that I'm very, very interested in. He was one of the uh, many reporters documenting, but he I remember him coming on the score in the middle of the summer and just kind of breaking down his first few weeks. It was very, very good. I'm interested to hear what the other stories in his book are. But those two talked a little bit about, uh, yeah, the Bulls uh, on a quick hitting topic. And uh, I needed some context behind this before I completely reacted to it on Twitter. Here it is. Quickly, we're on rapid fire here for a second. Chicago's 5-10 and and going to miss the playoffs. Does that make the Vukovic trade a failure? Um, no, because I think that they were trying to build something towards the future and, and pair Zach Levine with another star. But I guess my question is this. Is calling Chicago, you know, having two all-stars kind of similar to what we used to say when Minnesota traded for two number one picks and they got Wiggins and Anthony Bennett? It's like technically true um, that they're both all-stars, but like are they really all-stars? Are they really needle-moving type guys? I think it's a fair question. Certainly, they didn't think this trade was going to coincide with a fall out of the playoff picture, but give credit to some of the other teams that are rising up. You know, as we heard earlier, Toronto's trying to get some momentum, and Washington's been pretty darn hot. I won't say red hot, but pretty hot. And so it's not just about what Chicago isn't doing and some of their health problems with Levine. It's also about some of the other teams gaining some momentum. Wiggins and Bennett, really? <laughs> I was I was waiting to see which one of us was going to talk first. <laughs> like 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 Ben, we would love to have you on. Can we like break that down for ten or fifteen minutes? Because I would love to dive into what the the the, the idea behind that is. But when I saw that tweet, I was just like, I mean, I, I get the Bulls have been on a losing streak, people, but like v- Vucevic is what Vucevic. Look at I did it again. Our guy Locke. Stop listening to that Kendrick Perkins drop, man. Seriously. And same thing with Brian Windhorst. He says it a lot, too. He says Vucevic. Uh, regardless, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. Again, maybe it's back to the same point you were making about John Hollinger and uh, Nate Duncan. Is like maybe people haven't been really paying attention closely until after they made the Vooch trade. And unfortunate for us is the Bulls have had their worst stretch of the entire season post-trade deadline. And now Zach being out even hurts that more. But come on. Yeah. Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins. Come I mean, on. I, that is where I am just like you lost me. Because, you know, he mentions the, oh, yeah, two number one overall picks. It was Bennett in 2013, and it was Wiggins in 14. Bennett was drafted by Cleveland, traded to Minnesota. I'm sorry, did I miss the part where Anthony Bennett was an all-star his rookie year in Cleveland? When was Andrew Wiggins an all-star? When was Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I was going to get to that, but let's start with the most ridiculous thing which is calling Anthony Bennett an all-star. He played 52 games his rookie year before being traded to Minnesota. All 52 of those games, he came off the bench, averaging not even 13 minutes a game, 
shot 35% from the field, averaging 4.2 points and three rebounds per game. That Anthony Bennett, you're comparing pairing that Anthony Bennett with a rookie Andrew Wiggins to the pairing of sixth-year and seventh-year all-star Zach Levine and 30-year-old multi-time all-star Nikola Vucevic. Um, you lost me. Wait, wait, what, what is that comparison? Like, if, if the comparison is, is like Bennett and Wiggins aren't technically first round picks, like first overall picks, like I think that's where he was going with it. It was like Levine and Vucevic, are they really all stars? Was Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins really number one picks? Like, okay. I, I mean, that's, still, that's at least defensible. Like, that's fine, as a, but, uh, but as a comparison to make, do you really have two all stars? Do you really have two number one overall picks? That's fine, but what does Zach have to do to get some fucking respect, man? He made the all star game, and now we're talking about oh, well, maybe he's not an all star. Like, is he really an all star? Like, Vooch has made two all star games. What do they have to do, man? I, I, right. That's. Right. That's that's it. That's all I got to say on that. I don't understand. And I, I mean, look, the, the best player on a mediocre at best team or the best players on a mediocre team, because I think, honestly, Jordan, if you rewind this Bulls organization back to the, the mid 2000 teens, uh, when when Derek was hurt and rehabbing his injuries and we saw a all star Luol Deng, we saw an all star Joakim Noah. I think there are a lot of people nationally who are like, really, that guy's an all-star? And in Chicago, we're like, damn right, that guy's an all-star. Look at the impact that dude has on his team. Look at the numbers he's putting up. So, I mean, everybody has different opinions of what qualifies being an all-star. But uh, I think a lot of those people try way too hard to dive way too deeply into the analytics and the, is he a winning player kind of crap. And it's like, no, you, you, you don't make the comparison to say, well, okay, technically he's an all-star, but is he really an all-star? Like, technically Bennett and Wiggins were number one picks, but are they really as good as the average number one pick? Yes, that, Zach is a first-time all-star this season, but he put up all-star caliber numbers last season. Yeah, He's, he's having a wildly efficient and dominant offensive season this season while also has shown – progress and improvement in other facets of his game that people would always nitpick him about. I I mean, and, and Vooch, like you see the, some of the lists that he's on this season. When you talk about bigs who are averaging X amount of points, uh, X amount of rebounds, shooting X percentage from the floor, X percentage from behind the three-point line, it's a damn short list. Yes, he's an all-star and a deserving one, and so is Zach. So, I mean... But yeah, the, the, people have been undercutting Zach for a long time. I, I guess some people are underwhelmed by the all-star caliber that is uh, Vooch. But it's like it's like they're they're saying that only the starters, the top ten best players in the NBA, are all stars. It's like actually no. Last time I checked, there are a lot more all all stars than just the ten best players in the NBA. This this episode should just be titled like Context Matters. Bulls edition because that's the entire theme of this episode. It, it literally is. Did you say Bulls edition or bullshit edition? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Uh, real quick, let's just remind people. Zach is damn near close to 50, 40, 90 
averaging 50, 40, 90, and 53 games. Mm-hmm. 50.6% from the field, 41.6% from three, and 84.5% from the free throw line. I, I, he's a top 50, he's a top 15 scorer. Had he been, had he been fully healthy coming out of the all-star break, he'd be top five right now. He had the ankle right. issue. He had okay. the ankle issue and took a backseat to try to help get Vooch integrated into the offense. And so his, his points per game has dipped from, you know, it was like above 28. Now it's at 27 something, I believe. But even still, last time I checked yesterday, he was the sixth highest score, seventh, there seventh you go. in points per game in the NBA. Seventh. I mean, give the damn dude oh, some respect. Oh, he's, he's not that. He's not that good. People are crazy, man. Seriously, twenty-seven and a half points. He's averaging five point one rebounds and five point one assists a game. His turnovers almost identical to last year on average. Three point six, uh, up a tick from three point four last year. Right around this amount of games. Again. The conversation always was the Bulls don't have an all-star. The Bulls can't get two all-stars. That's been the national conversation since the Bulls started rebuilding. Now we have two all-stars, and the conversation shifts from, well, are they really all-stars? Uh. <laughs> I, I, I'm i speaking for Bulls fans out there, man. When I say, like, this is the shit that infuriates me. And I hope the Bulls come out in the next three weeks, when Zach returns especially. Because if you remember, we still have like a handful of national games towards the end of the schedule. The last five or six games, I think we've got three national games. Um, that's your opportunity to whatever you need to do with this bulletin board material. If you need John Paxson to come down from the front office and write whatever on the board, uh, what did he write before? What was that? Um, practice 9 a.m. or meeting 9 a.m. Something like that. Remember, uh, it, whatever they oh, need to God. do, whatever they need to do, man, just use that as motivation for the rest of the season and get in the play in game. But I would love people's reaction to this too over the weekend. 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us. 331-979-1369. We'll take your tweets too. We're at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Remember, we're on YouTube as well. Matt and I, if you want to see us fired up on video, you can watch us on our YouTube channel. Go and subscribe to our channel right now. Once we get to 500 subscribers, we are going to give away a Zach Levine jersey. That's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks again to everybody who's been listening. Make sure you hit us up as well over the weekend. Let's hope the Bulls pull out a win against the Heat. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Pump diddly D with the dunk. He loses his face. Like, what? Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.